Welcome to the Hyper Guy Motivational Podcast. Thank you for being here today. I have an amazing guest on. I, I met her a couple years ago, and I've wanted to have, have her on for a while now, but I had to wait till she graduated because she was extremely busy doing her academics and sports. Um, my guest today is Miss Olivia Lau, and I have to tell you, thank you so much. She's an Oakland native, which I really, really appreciate. She has her Bachelor's of Science in Biomedical Engineering. She rode, she was on the crew team at USC for four years, and she also was on a crew team prior to that, but we're going to get into that later. She currently works as an engineer for Stryker, which is a medical device company, and she also does work for Engineering Tomorrow, which we're also going to get into. It's a nonprofit that does wonderful, wonderful work in uh, schools across the country. And so we're going to get into that. So it's just amazing for, for, uh, to have you here. So thank you, Olivia, for being on today. Yeah, of course. Super happy and super excited to talk to you today. Yeah, and I know you're super busy and I'm just really, really excited to have you on because um, rarely do you get to meet somebody. Uh, when you and I met, um, we met at USC and it's pretty amazing because you're a female in the sciences and you're from Oakland, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah. which I don't see much of. So I was like, oh, my God. And you're, and you're like this, this wonderful athlete. Can I ask you, um, what were you born and raised? Yeah, I mean, I'm a Bay Area native. I'm born and raised here. So, you know, I've proudly lived in Oakland my whole life, obviously, besides the four years that I was in college. But yeah, love it here. And so really happy that this is my home. So that, I want to get into that because I really like you've always been that way. And when I talk to you, your, your sister is also a, a USC um, student and actually she's getting her master's now but uh, but what was your like growing up in Oakland and where did you grow what part of Oakland did you grow up in yeah so so I'm you know I'm here in like the Rockridge area so um, I really enjoyed growing up here in Oakland I think that one thing that I was always like really fond of really proud of was how diverse our city is and like growing up I always you know I I felt I felt that this city had a sense of community that didn't really exist elsewhere. I mean, granted, I can't really know that because I, you know, I lived here, but I really felt that there was like a strong sense of community in Oakland. Um, and I think that a lot of that was because of how accepting people were of different people's backgrounds. And so I saw that constantly growing up. I think that, um, constantly being surrounded by other students, other peers and friends who came from different backgrounds. I think that's what made Oakland really special and what I really liked growing up. It's interesting because you hear so, so many negative things about Oakland. And, I, and growing up in Oakland, there's certainly the school system is not that great. And there's parts of Oakland that are very, very are, are, can be pretty rough. Mm -hmm. um, and you always hear about the dangerous part of Oakland. But one of the things I really like about Oakland, one of the strengths is what you articulated previously, which is it's extremely multi-ethnic. Mm -hmm. And so when you were growing up, can you describe what that was like to be in a very multi-ethnic community in Oakland? And, you know, what were your peers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have to think back to, you know, my time in high school. So I went to Oakland Tech and, you know, the school is, school is huge. And so I just, you know, I got the chance to be in classes with folks from all different backgrounds and all different ethnicities. So I had, you know, I had friends of all different races and, and like 
I think just being able to be surrounded by them and like learning about their cultures is something that you can't really get elsewhere necessarily. And so I think it really enriches your experience because you have a much broader view of the world and you can bring that with you to everywhere else that you go. You know, you're you're more accepting of other people's differences, I feel like because you've been surrounded by it your whole life. And I think in general, like the Bay Area community is is a place where people are more accepting of differences. They're accepting of different people's views. And, and, you know, in my experience, like they're not very, they're not as harsh to judge, you know, I think that they have more of an open mind. So I think like that whole mentality, um, if you have that around you growing up, it, uh, you know, it influences you later in life to keep that same mentality. So do you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I actually, I have two sisters. So I have a twin sister, <laughs> which is the one you mentioned. And then I also have an older sister. Yeah. And what was your relationship growing up? When you grew up, who were your role models? And what was your relationship like with your parents? Yeah, so, I mean, this one's interesting. Like, I feel like I never, like, I didn't really have a strong, strong person that I would say, like, this is my role model. Um, but I always like I really looked up to my parents all the time. And I, I mean, I still do. I think that like if there's anybody, I feel like they're my role models because like just the hard work that I saw growing up from them uh, was always something that I really, really admired. And I think like looking back now, um, I, I feel very fortunate you know, that I had them and, and I can see now like all the sacrifices and the work that they put in to raise like my sisters and I, and, and like, I, you know, I, I aspire to be like that. I think that what they really showed me is like how much hard work really matters. And like, I always felt that, you know, they supported me, they showed up for me, like they were always there. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I aspire to be like that. Can you tell me more about what, like, your parents, were they originally born in, in Oakland, or have they always been in Oakland? What made them come to Oakland, or have they always been here? Yeah, I mean, no, they're, my parents are, are born in Hong Kong, but they moved, they actually uh, came to the U.S. for college, and so, or or for, like, their master's, so, yeah, that's when they came to the U.S., and then, and then after, after, like, their college years, then, or then their masters, then they moved up here into the Bay Area. So where did they go to school? UCLA. Funny. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> so they went. So you end up. So both your parents, did they, they went to? They did they meet at UCLA? Yeah. And then you end up going to USC. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. so so you guys have a difficult relationship uh, when it comes to rooting for teams. Yeah. Well. I, they, they say that the rivalry, like, when you're in, in, like, master's programs isn't as strong, so I don't know, I mean, sure. <laughs> so, so when you were growing up, uh, what did your parents do, and then, um, did they encourage all of you to go to school? What was that like growing up? Yeah, yeah, they definitely really encouraged, like, academics, and, you know, being strong in academics, I think that, they they really knew or they wanted us to know that like working hard um, academically would be, would be really beneficial later in life and so they, yeah they always pushed us to be our best school wise 
Um, and then they also like really supported us in extracurriculars. Um, I played piano since I was five. So that was, that was probably like a huge part of my childhood and like growing up and through high school. So yeah, they always encouraged us to, you know, seek out extracurriculars and like really be passionate about it. And, you know, don't do things halfway. Like you really want to put yourself all the way in there and like see how far you can take that. So why did your parents, I'm just curious. So what did your parents do? And then why did they choose Oakland? Yeah, I mean, um, so my dad is in like the software development. Um, yeah, he does software development. And then my mom works for Oakland, the Children's Hospital, UCSF Benioff. So yeah, she does research and she helps the, she helps the lower income communities. So she, like both of my parents have always been huge, like inspirations for me in terms of what I wanted to do for work. Um, in terms of why they chose Oakland, that I don't really know. I know like they want, I like, I know they like the Bay Area. Um, I don't know exactly why they chose Oakland, but <laughs> I'll have to ask. Yeah, we'll get the fall. And I know you are a huge Bay Area sports fan. You don't play when it comes to sports. I know you're <laughs> a big Warriors fan for sure, right? Yeah. Are you, are you a Raider fan too? Um, well, not too much. I mean, I like watching basketball more. So you are you so you're solely a warrior person. Yeah. For what about football? Well, I I actually I like watching college football more than NFL. So I mean I'll support the 49ers. Uh oh. Yeah, I know, because our Raiders left us. So what was your relationship like with your sisters growing up? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, we had a pretty strong relationship. Um, I mean, my twin and I I feel like we have a pretty good relationship. Um, we pretty much did everything together growing up. So uh, I think this year with her back in school and I'm now working, like it's kind of been our first year apart. We didn't, we didn't actually choose really to continue like pretty much hand in hand our whole lives until now, but it just kind of happened that way. And, you know, I'm happy, like we didn't, we didn't necessarily, we didn't really plan to go to the same college, but we were like, you know, if it happens that we both want you, we both want the same college, then, you know, we're happy to, we'll have, we'll be happy uh, at the same school. But if, you know, if we separated, that's fine too. And, and I mean, growing up, like when we were in elementary school, we actually requested to be in separate classrooms just so that we could have like uh, different experiences and whatnot. And like, you know, we obviously spend the rest of the day not in school together. So, so I think I really like that. I mean, I think it, it taught like a little bit of autonomy. And so we didn't like fully depend on each other. But I think that, you know, having the experience of college together was also really nice. Like, you, you know, you always have a friend and, and you're never alone. So I think that was really great. When did you both start getting to sports? Like what kind of activities did you do? Both of yeah. you, at, you know, when you were younger? Yeah, so we actually, we actually, like my parents got us into sports pretty young. So uh, in elementary school, like we played soccer and, and then after soccer, then we played, or then we played some tennis and then we got into swimming for a couple of years and we were, yeah, we were swimmers for, for like competitive, kind of competitively for a couple of years. And then high school is when we started rowing. Yeah, and definitely like, 
childhood years, we weren't really good at those sports, but it was just like a hobby and, you know, to keep us active and yeah. And when you were younger, what, like, did you have any idea when you were younger, what, that you were going to be an engineer? Cause being an engineer for a female, I and mean, we talked about this earlier, um, it's not female heavy. <laughs> so it tends to be more male. So when, when you were going through elementary school, were you always good in the sciences? Is that what you always, what you wanted to do? Or did you know what you wanted to do in life? Yeah, I mean, I definitely did not know what I wanted to do in elementary school. I I did like math. So like I remember I remember liking math and I think like my my parents definitely influenced me in terms of like what I thought I would go into. I mean, both of them are in like STEM essentially. So I kind of always knew I would get into a STEM field. Um I wasn't particularly sure if it would be engineering or, you know, if it was going to be a doctor or a nurse or you know anything else um or a scientist but but yeah I knew I would probably go into STEM um yeah can, can you explain what STEM is yeah yeah so I think it stands for science technology engineering and math so <laughs> I should probably know that but yeah so science and and math and engineering fields so yeah I mean I think throughout elementary school and high school like I definitely gravitated towards those subjects and what kind of things when you were growing up you said you you were involved with sports did you guys do anything on the academic were you always into academics even when you were younger how'd you how were you balancing your life out yeah so um I think pretty much all my life I guess I've been involved with like three things so academics sports and music uh, I told yeah so since I started piano when I was five and music was definitely a much bigger portion of my life than sports were sports were pretty sports were kind of just a hobby um, but music was like an everyday thing and and ever since I was pretty young like when I started playing like it would it would be a lot of practice time and so it was pretty time consuming um but I don't regret it. <laughs> and I think like, just in terms of balancing it all, uh, I just had to get pretty good at time management. And it helped that a lot of things were like, oh, you're, you know, I have piano lessons. So it's like, this is a block of time that I'm going to be dedicating to piano, or this is, you know, sports practice. So it helped me like, block out different chunks of my day. And then from there, I think, I really learned how to distribute the rest of my hours to the other things that I have to do. If it's like homework or, you know, practicing piano. So I guess just time management throughout and yeah. So what was high school like for you? You said you, you started, I'm sure you started taking AP classes and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So when, how did you balance, I guess, I know, and this is what we're going to get into later on about this too is, you you were good enough in crew, you and your sister, to actually to row at USC, which has a great crew team as well. So, how did you did you know that when you went to college, I want to go ahead and row as well? Did you get recruited? What made you choose USC? Yeah. So actually, um, so it's funny. In high school, I was a rower. So 
um, on our Oakland Tech rowing team. And then in college, I was actually a coxswain. So there are two, there's like two different roles in the sport of rowing. You can be a rower or a coxswain. Um, and I can explain that in a second if we're unfamiliar, but, but I didn't, I didn't know that I wanted to go continue with rowing. I wasn't sure about it when I chose USC. I just knew that whatever school I chose for college, I wanted it to be an option. So I wasn't recruited. Um, my sister and I actually walked on to the USC women's rowing team um, and went through the walk-on process and then was able to earn a spot, a roster spot there as coxswain. So like super fortunate and like very happy that we were able to go through that whole experience. Um, and it definitely helped that we had the rowing background from our high school years. So yeah, definitely an amazing part of our USC experience. So, okay. So you were, you were in, in high school, what kind of challenges did you have in high school? Was it hard to, were your classes challenging and Oakland tech still, we're still in Oakland. So there's going to be challenges there. Um, were your classes small? Were you encouraged to go to college? Did you know you were going to go to a good college? And what was that process like getting to USC? Did you apply to other colleges? Did you know what you wanted to do? Yeah, so I actually think that I was really fortunate because Oakland Tech is actually a really, in my eyes, it's a really good school. Like I think that Oakland Tech provides a lot of really good resources for you. And like to address, you know, if I felt the support needed to go to college, like I would say yes, like, like Oakland Tech is, you know, a public school here in Oakland. But I think what makes it really unique is that this, like, our high school, it had academies. So essentially, like starting sophomore year, you can apply for a different academy. And so there's like engineering academy, there's health academy, fashion academy, biotech, like, it was essentially like you can explore a major. And I think, so I was in the engineering academy and I think that this really allowed me to have, you know, a little level up in terms of applying for college because, you know, I already had some engineering experience just from the classes I was taking. And I think like being in the academy, um, not, not, not just engineering academy, like just being in any academy, like, like, the school administration gave you the support to continue in that field, like whether it was health or fashion or engineering, like they gave you the resources. And I think, you know, they encouraged scholarships, they encouraged other programs that you can get into to help. So I feel really fortunate that Oakland Tech had all that for us. So when you, so when you graduated, you had good grades, obviously, did you apply to, where, where did you apply besides USC? Yeah, I mean, so I applied to like a handful of UCs. Um, most of the schools that I applied to were in California. I applied to like UW, stretch schools, MIT, but yeah, mostly in California. So what, how competitive were you like when you, when you, did you get accepted to most of the colleges you applied to? And what was your experience like applying for the, for these different universities? Yeah, so actually like, if I'm being honest, I actually didn't get into as many as I wanted to, as many as I expected to, or not, like, expected, but, like, thought thought I could, you know. Um, USC, gratefully, was one of my top choices anyway, so I was really happy when I, when I got the news for that one. So, for me, 
like it was kind of my obvious choice because I'd always like really wanted to go there. So, so it was tough getting the rejections from the other schools um, just because it limited my options. But, um, you know, but as soon as I got the acceptance from USC, I was pretty happy and thought and kind of knew I would go with that one. Well, yeah, USC is, a, USC is an amazing school. What do you, what do you think? Because your application was probably pretty, it was probably pretty stacked because you were doing music and you were doing sports and you, you had a good, you had a good grade point average. If, in retrospect, what advice would you give somebody if they were applying to universities? Do you have any idea of why maybe you weren't accepted? Yeah. I mean, you know, I can't say I've given this a ton of thought, but I do think that one thing that I wish I would have done differently in the application process is to just diversify the majors that I was picking because um, engineering, of course, is pretty selective. And I think I was, I for all the schools that I applied to, I only applied biomedical engineering or like bioengineering. And so I think like if you aren't, if you aren't completely sold on a major, I think that it's beneficial to like kind of spread it out. And, you know, if you're also interested in either a different type of engineering or maybe something else in all, like all in, in general, like I was, a I was thinking about business and I, you know, I was kind of too scared to take that step because I'd been in the engineering academy in high school and I felt like engineering was my path, but but, you know, if you if I would have applied business, like maybe I would have gone into a different school that I wanted. So I think just diversifying your options out there and or maybe even going undeclared, I think, could help. Now, did your sister apply to the same schools as you? Not completely. We did have we definitely did have overlap, overlap but uh, I applied to maybe two or three schools that she did not and she applied to like two or three that I didn't. So what made you choose USC? Yeah, I mean, USC has so many great things about it. I could go on and on. But I think, of course, academically, like I think the Turby, the School of Engineering here at USC is really strong. Um, but the main thing that I know really pushed me towards USC is actually the the Trojan Network, like the alumni network that we have here at USC, I think like I had heard all these stories about how strong this network really is. And, and it was something that I thought, you know, would pay off after my experience at USC. And I think obviously this is just my first year out of USC, but I can already feel that like the alumni network, the alumni here at USC, like they really want to help out other alumni. They want to help out current students. And so just having this, you know, family around you wherever you go in life, I think is something that's really special. Can you describe your, fir your, your, your first year at USC? What was your experience like entering? Like I said, you're entering a field that, like I said, I'm going to tell you now, I, I'm so proud of you coming from Oakland and you went directly into an engineering program like at USC. What was that transition for you like? And did you find it challenging while playing sports? Yeah, I mean, I think that the aspect of athletics definitely made it cha more challenging than it would have, way more challenging than it would have been had I not been doing athletics. I think, um, I think in high school, 
you know, I mentioned to you that I had already starting started getting used to like really having to schedule my time out and to have like really good time management because, you know, because of school and rowing and piano. And so I think that I had that like under my belt pretty well. But when but when you go to college, like things are so different because you don't have, you know, a daily eight to three PM schedule and then extracurriculars. It's not like that. It's like, you know, you have classes from eight to 10 AM and then a two hour break. And then you have more classes at night or something like that. And then adding on the rowing schedule, which is pretty strenuous. It's like, I mean, it's, it's like 20 to 25 hours a week. Um, It's pretty much like doing a full-time job. So I think the biggest, the biggest challenge freshman year was just learning how to, how to schedule everything that I wanted into my, into my work, into my week, you know? So I think it, it's less structured than I had before. So that was the main difference. Um, it's not, it wasn't as structured as high school. So learning how to make sure that I got my homework done and like the periods that I had in between classes and practice was big. Can you give me like a typical day? Cause I know rowing is typically really early in the morning. So yep. give me, give me one of your typical days and, and what was your fitness, what was your fitness and health routine? Like at the same time as your balancing class. So just run me through your typical day. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So usually, um, so all the, all of the weekdays, uh, the, bus to take us down to the port of LA which was where we had our rowing practice left campus at 6 a.m so we you know I'd wake up around 5 30 and then you know get my morning routine done go as fast as I can to campus and then we got to catch the bus and you can't be late for the bus like it's our it's our team bus but us as teammates like like we can't we don't really wait like you know early is on time so you couldn't be late for the bus bus left at 6am. And then it was about a 30 minute drive down from USC to the port of LA. And then we would have practice on the water for about two hours. And then we would leave the boathouse, usually around either 915 or 1015, and then get back to campus at 10 or 11am. So we weren't allowed to have classes scheduled before 10am or 11 10 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 11 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday. So obviously, like, that was tough with scheduling because especially in engineering, like, you don't really have so many options in terms of which classes you can take. It's not like, oh, choose from this list of 10 classes, like, pick five. Like, it was like, you have to take this class. And it's probably only offered at two times. So class conflicts were huge. But anyways, so we would get back to campus um, and then have class probably at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. And then we had weights, so two-hour weights from 12 to 2. So, yeah, 12 to 2 was in the weight room on campus. And then after that, I would have more class probably in the afternoon and then go home in the evening. What was – okay, so you have to explain to everybody, what is it like being an athlete at USC? I mean, yeah. that gym, I mean the, the, the gym looks I mean I like I know there's a there's a couple of gyms on campus for the average folks like like us but the athletic gym is like a different a different experience and did you have like an athletic table for food as well like nutrition wise yeah yeah so we have little Galen which I have to say is amazing the chefs there are, are great so 
yeah, fortunately, um, like this past year has been really great. They So we used to get like breakfast at Little Galen so that, you know, they would make omelets and, and everything. And there was like smoothies. Uh, so they really wanted to keep us well fed and, and like healthy. So that was amazing. Um, but then this past year, they actually added like lunch. So we could also grab lunch there, which was amazing. And then usually you can take some home, like they have takeout boxes and you can take some home for dinner as well. Because I think what a lot of people realized is like how important nutrition really is for athletes. And I think it honestly made a huge difference on our team performance wise, because a lot of the girls on our team, a lot of the women didn't like weren't having enough time to really eat. And so, you know, if you you're coming home late from classes or whatnot, and you know, you have a lot of homework, like you're not going to spend a lot of time cooking yourself a healthy, a healthy meal. So it impacted performance. And so this past year, we actually did really well. Um, compared to our previous years performance wise. And I think a lot of that was attributed to the nutrition and like the available lunch and dinner that they were providing us. You always hear what kind of, what kind of support do they give athletes academically or, or when you're going to the program, they must know you have a very difficult, difficult major. Do they ever say, Hey, you know what? Olivia, we're going to offer you if you want tutoring or what mm -hmm. is there, is there other things that they can offer you? And did that help you or yeah. how, how did you manage your stress? Yeah, they have. Yeah. So there's free tutoring for athletes and the tutors are actually other peers. So uh, non-athletic, like they can't, they can't be an athlete, but so it could have been like upperclassmen um, who are not in involved with athletics, but they were all students who are our uh, tutor. So yeah, every semester our each team has a academic counselor. And so he's, he or she is pretty much involved with just making sure everybody stays on track academically and that they have all the support and the help that they need. So yeah, we have a, um, an athletic, what's the, what's the, it's a learning center. I don't, I forgot the name for it, but essentially it's a building um, and they have like a computer lab in there and study rooms. Um, and that's where you have, that's where we have the tutoring. So yeah, they have great resources for us and great facilities. And then, and then as I was saying, like every, at the beginning of every semester, you can say what classes you want to tutor for. And then uh, your academic counselor would work on finding you that tutor and making sure uh, you're all set up. And so you have weekly weekly meetings with your tutor and then yeah they can help you with whatever you need in that class do you think that the student the student um ratio in terms of your classes you know in terms of professor and student ratio did it make a difference that you were in a smaller classes because uh, of the environment at usc i mean could you tell the difference in terms of quality of learning yeah Definitely. I think like I definitely had some classes that, you know, were bigger lectures, you know, chemistry, biology, but but the engineering classes itself were usually like 30 students or so. So so I, I really liked that mid-size kind of class because, you know, you get collaboration, um, you get to know you you get the opportunity to get to know your classmates because, you know, we probably had most of our classes together. So I liked that it wasn't too small that, you know, you don't get 
exposure to too many people, but I liked that it wasn't so large that, you know, the teacher doesn't even know your name. So yeah, I think that was really beneficial for all of our engineering classes, just in it, just to be able to have that uh, more, more like one-on-one -on -one approach with your professor. So if I asked you, hey, if you have to give advice to, to, um, to folks out there that want to get into engineering, uh, they're you know they're either in elementary school or high school or you know parents may be listening. What advice would you give to them to help support their kids pursue uh, education uh, or, it, or their education in terms of going into engineering or the sciences? Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately, you know, it comes down to passion, and I think that like how passionate you are for engineering really makes a difference. And like, I think, I wanna think about this one for a little bit, <laughs> but hmm. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult question. And I'm just, I, I know that that's, um... There's something that, like you said, I think passion is really important in any job that you have. Yeah. And I think, like you said, when you apply Diversify, I guess the question is, how do you keep that passion going? Like, why would why were you so passionate about pursuing engineering and the sciences when a lot of society don't typically think of women as engineers? A lot There's that typical stereotype of like women can't be engineers or they're not good in math. How yeah. did you overcome that? And like you said, your parents really, uh, really pushed you. Did they say, hey, you're going to get into sciences or did, how did you develop that passion? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I think that my parents played a huge part in it just because they they never said you can't do this. Like, I think that they showed me, number one, by example, that I could do it. And I think that's huge. Just like my mom being in the sciences and then, you know, my dad being an engineer and they never ever said anything about like, Oh, you know, because you're a girl, you can't do this. Like mm -hmm. they, they were always super supportive. And I think like being surrounded by people who show you by example that you can be an engineer or, you know, you can be in the sciences was, it, it never made me feel like I couldn't do it, you know? Um, so I guess, yeah, in terms of parents out there, like, I think just always being supportive and, and if you can show by example, that's wonderful. If not, like, like just having the resources to surround, you know, your kid with examples or, or role models in the field who show you that you can do that. Did you ever have a time when you were um, studying at USC that it was a difficult time for you. Like, oh man, I don't know if I'm gonna get through this class or I don't know if I can balance doing my sports in this. Were there ever some stressful times for you that you were like, I don't know if I can do this or not? Or did you, have you always been this confident? No, definitely not. Yeah, I mean, you know, even now I still struggle sometimes with time management and being able to fit everything. Um, there were definitely times like this past year when, you know, we had to travel for races and I would have to miss class. I would, and, you know, we wouldn't really have time at all to 
do homework and to like catch up on lectures. And, you know, it's really great that this past year, you know, we've been doing Zoom recording. So you, you don't really lose that much content. But in years previous, before there was all the Zoom and, you know, you wouldn't have anything besides maybe the lecture notes if, if, that, if that was available to you. So I think in college, there was definitely times when, when rowing would seem to take priority over school. And that was really tough for me because I didn't like feeling like I was falling behind. But um, ultimately, I think like having good communication with teachers, like letting them know ahead of time that I'm going to be missing this, you know, these days and, and to try to just be proactive um, about the situation really helped. Um, what was your relationship like with, with some of your professors? Did you get to know some of your professors pretty well and were they supportive of you? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say I wish I got a little bit like closer to my professors. Um, most of them, most of them, like they all knew that I was on the rowing team. So they were definitely very supportive of me. And, and it's funny, I even like this past season, um, my voice actually like got really raspy um, because of coxing. Like that's part of my, like, that's essentially part of my role. And so it, it did kind of affect classes, like in discussions, uh, I wouldn't, always be able to participate because I was on like vocal rest for some for some time. Um, but they were always very supportive. And so I think that really helped. And they liked that I was proactive about things like that's something that our rowing coach taught us is to just always be ahead of situations instead of reactive. So I think that they really liked that, that I would notify them pretty much as far in advance as possible of anything. And you kept saying you're a coxswain. You have to explain what that is to everybody. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I forgot to get back to this one. So a coxswain is essentially like the coach that's in the boat. So, so the rowers are facing backwards, essentially. They're facing, like if you have a race, a start line and a finish line, they're facing the start line. They can't see the finish line, but the coxswain can see the finish line. So you're essentially like the brain that's in the boat. You're the one who's coordinating your boat and like telling them what the race plan is, how you're going to execute it. And so I always like to think of a coxswain is like a jockey. It's like you have your horse, but you're the one that's controlling it. So we have our rowers who are, you know, so, so strong and they're putting everything out there, but they can't see anything. They don't know what's going on around them. You're the one that has to tell them that. So I think it's a very unique and, and a very interesting role. And I think it has really helped me um, in in life and in, in the work industry as well. So your sister, did she do the same thing? Yeah. Walter? yeah. And so, so how do you prepare for something like that? Again, it seems like this is a technical part of it, but you said that you're like coaching. What are you saying I mean, like, how do you, I mean, I, I don't know where I would begin. I'd probably just say, speed up. I mean, what would the, I think the average person would say that. Like, what are you doing in there? Yeah. So, so, I mean, you are constantly essentially their coach, right? So you watch them for how they're rowing. You can critique them on their technique. You can tell them, your, my job is to make the boat faster right so anything that i see that can help us make the boat faster i'm gonna let them know so it's like this constant 
feedback kind of and also motivation obviously for them uh to keep going so you know you can you can say anything from motivation motivational calls to technical calls on races like you're the eyes so like you your rowers are not looking at anything except for the woman that's right in front of them and so you're the only one who can look out and see where your opponent is what's your opponent doing and then you decide I saw I decide like what are we going to do about it like are we going to you know make a move which essentially is you know like counter-attacking or you know I don't know that's probably not the best word but yeah like what's the strategy so that's so essentially you have to, what so you're you have to kind of, you have to kind of almost know the strengths of your team because oh, you know when to make the move definitely because if you make the move too early you may not be able to make it to the end actually at the spot end on. You, okay so how do you determine that spot on it's totally about knowing your rowers so in rowing like it's cheesy but it is the ultimate team sport because anything that you do like you have to do it together if one person if you know, like, say, I know this one woman in my boat, um, you know, she's really motivated by this one call, but I call it too often or something or call it too early and, you know, it's not going to work later on. So you really need to know each person, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and bring it all together. Wow, that's amazing. And then do people critique you too? They, I'm sure you have a lot yeah. of pressure. I'm sure they, you have a lot of pressure on you too because yeah. like you're not doing this right or you're not doing this right. So you have a lot of pressure because you want to study. Do you have to study the other crews? I, I assume if I'm going to go row against a Stanford or a Berkeley, you have to go study your opponent. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say you have to because ultimately like – you know your crew best and how you're going to make your crew go but as a coxswain I think all coxswains out there like to study other crews too and just know like find out you know what what you can about them but ultimately you know it comes down to your crew and how you can bring out the best in in your boat so yeah I have to ask you what is the what is I assume you're rowing at some point against UCLA uh What's that called? Is that like a certain? I know they have for swimming. It's a big splash, right? Right, and then and so all the big game for football. What do you? What do they call it for for rowing? It's the Crosstown Cup. And yeah. then how? And then and, and how has USC? Do they win most of the time? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, uh, that's a lot of pressure on you too. I bet that's a lot of pressure the night before with that. Yeah, so, we had a eighteen year winning streak. Wow. Yeah. So who won the last one, your senior year? USC. Oh, no way. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So, okay. So when you, when you graduated, I know that you went, you, you ended up, you got a great job. And um, so you're at your current job. What is your role there now? Yeah, I'm a quality engineer. So yeah, I work with the operations quality. I work with the operations quality team and essentially I'm overseeing like a product line, one of the products line that product lines that we have here at Stryker, and yeah, looking after the quality of that product line. And you said it's a lot, a lot of medical equipment. You said, huh? Yeah, yeah. And um, so I know, and I want to get into this for sure. You do. You have a second job. And if yeah, you, I'm if, involved. If you could talk about that, I really love that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm involved with this program called Engineering Tomorrow, and I kind of just 
you know, I found it from like a middle school teacher, one of my middle school teachers, actually. But essentially, it's this program where it brings a whole bunch of engineers. Uh, so engineers who are currently working in the fields and we and we lead these engineering courses for high school students across the country. And the program is unique because it's completely free for the student and, you know, for the teachers, for the schools. They really just have to sign up for it. And then Engineering Tomorrow will coordinate to have one of our one of the engineers. So myself or one of the other um, plenty of engineers that we have across the across the nation to come in to the teacher's classroom via Zoom, and then we lead these sessions for the students. And so the these engineering labs, like they're super fun. Like they're like you're building bridges, you're learning about like drug delivery, you make it's like learning about space and 3D printing. Like it's it's not your typical engineering. Um, so that's what I really love about it. I love that it's it's really fun and creative. And then Engineering Tomorrow will send like each student a kit for that lab. So, you know, if they're building bridges, then they get this little kit for all the like wood material that they'll need to use. So it really allows anybody, like any student from any background, like to participate in these labs and to get exposure to both engineering and an actual engineer. So how does that work? I mean, when they're putting it together, how do you know if they're doing it right? You, you said you send out these, um, it's all free. So it's all. And so I know it really, really is to, to foment interest in, you know, in the sciences and engineering. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, STEM. So what do you, how do you know, how do you talk them through this? I know you make it fun, but how do you know if they're doing it right? Or how does it, how does it work? Yeah. So how the program works is there's, there's three sessions. So when you sign, when a teacher or whoever signs up for like, say the Bridges Lab, uh, they'll be signing up for three sessions. So the first session is like an introduction to the topic and it's led by an engineer. And then there's, and then in that session, like, you know, they'll give you background about whatever the topic is. And then they'll give you the instructions for what you're going to be doing in the lab. Um, and then and then the engineer is not actually there when the students do the lab, but they have like the student workbook, which so far to my understanding has been pretty self-explanatory. Like I, um, I'll get back to that in a second, but so the teacher will help the students do the lab and then midway through, uh, these are usually like a week long or so. So midway through, maybe like on a Wednesday, then they'll have a call with college mentors. So we have also a team of these college students in engineering all across the nation. And they'll, I think it's like one or two, maybe three college students will drop into this high school class and the high schoolers can ask them any questions. If they have questions on the lab, then the college mentors will help them. If they have questions about what is, what is it like to be an engineer in college or what's your college experience like, they can talk about anything. And it just provides them another resource uh, to somebody who, you know, is not so far in the future from them. And then finally, once they complete the lab, then there's a wrap up session, probably on like a Friday. Um, and then another engineer, it doesn't have to be the same engineer as the first one, will come and do a wrap up. So we'll have like a discussion. What do you think of the lab? Like, 
like, you know, how was the process, anything that you would change in the lab or any questions. And then we have some wrap up slides. So we'll tell, we'll talk to them about like, like these are the competitive wages, you know, if you wanted to get into it just to spark some interest and some knowledge there and then, you know, show them any additional related information. And then of course, lots of time for questions. <laughs> And how so is this do you have different labs for every grade so does it start 9th 10th 11th 12th how does it work no they can there's yeah there's no differentiation for grades so any any high school class like ninth grade 12th grade any can sign up for any of these labs and and then is it is there is there a set number you have like four different projects you said what are the projects you said bridges there's like Shoot, I should definitely know this number, but there's way, there's definitely like around 15. There might even be like 20. I, wow. Uh, there's a lot. If you go to the engineering, there's a website, it's engineeringtomorrow.com uh, or .org. Let me see. But anyway, engineeringtomorrow.org, they have like all the list of the different topics that you can sign up for. And yeah, information. And, and so the the, the so if the engineering.org, um, the professors or the principals have to go there or the teachers and, and they contact them and they and they can sign them up and they would send out the materials to them. Yeah. Yeah. So anybody, any whether it's the teachers or the principals, I think most, primarily it's been teachers who sign up for it. And then it's really easy. Like they can just go to the website and then I think there's just a form that you can fill out. You say like what lab you want. And it's really convenient because it's not like we have times that we say, oh, you know, this lab is going to be at 12 o'clock or whatever. The teachers actually say my, you know, my class starts at at 10 13 a.m and so i want you to start at 10 13 and we make that happen like it's we will accommodate to the teacher's schedule and be there for their period um so it's yeah it's super easy they just sign up for whatever lab they want and say what time and what school they're on Olivia, i don't know if you, you can answer this or not you may not be able to is what if um you know some of the schools they don't know about it or say one or two students from the school wanted to, they, do they have to go to the school or is it just designed that way? Um, I'm not really sure about in terms of individuals. I, yeah, I'd have to ask about that. I think, you know, we'd be happy to, to leave these labs for anybody, but I'm not really sure what the sign up process would be like. See, I, I always have some trick questions in there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so sorry i gave you some of those trick questions no worries but um but i it's amazing that you volunteer to do this yourself because it's like ever since i've known you, you you're like so dedicated to to oakland and to the bay area and to the community i mean you lived in, in la for those four years and you immediately came back to the bay and i remember when i called you and you said fig i i wanted i want to come back to the bay area it's, it's my home and yeah and um and you're always so you're definitely an oaklander forever and <laughs> and i know you you just you don't you, you're just super you're super super directed i love that about you. you just you 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 always have a lot of energy and a lot of spirit so let me Thank ask you. you i get to ask you some fun questions now okay okay and by the way you've done a great interview by the way <laughs> i think i only stumped you once <laughs> so yeah um uh, so let me ask you. So what do you like to do in your spare time now, Miss Engineer? 
Yeah, well, I think that I always like some relaxation. So I really, I love sleeping, <laughs> which is funny, but I always make sure I have time for sleeping and then just like other, I like, you know, just spending time watching TV, you know, watching Netflix shows. And then, and then I think one other thing is I really like playing games. So like card games, board games. So I spent, yeah, in college, I really liked playing like different games with my friends. Like what? What's your favorite game? Mm, we played a lot of Bananagrams. What is that? What? It's like, it's kind of like Scrabble. It's like a, yeah, it's like a word, word game. I'll look that up. Bananagram. Okay. And now favorite food. Hmm. Guilty this pleasure. It's always been tough. I, 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 you... I honestly can't say I have a favorite food. Okay. Okay. So name a couple of them. Okay. I mean, well, can I name a cuisine? Of course. Okay. Well, I think I have a favorite cuisine. I just don't, don't have a favorite food, but I really like Taiwanese food. And then like what kind of dishes? Give us a give us the best dishes. If someone if somebody out there or if somebody's gonna go to Taiwan soon, what's the what, what what's the best dishes they have? Um one off the top of my head, they just have like this it's like braised oh my god everybody's gonna hate me for this because i'm probably not describing it correctly but it's like braised meat with over rice and usually there's like an egg with it and it's nothing fancy but it's just it's so good you just love it your favorite dessert hmm i like i like tiramisu i don't know if it's my favorite <laughs> and i know you like traveling so tell me where 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 are your favorite places you you've traveled to and where and some of the places you want to go. Yeah. Okay. I think one of my favorite places that I've been to is Morocco. I think that was like an astonishing trip just because like it's it's I think it kind of goes back to the whole like, diversity thing. Like it's just a whole completely different like culture and environment and it's just it was just so amazing to see and then and then obviously just being in that environment was so cool we got to like ride some camels which you know you will never do here <laughs> so super fun experience um and then in terms of places i want to go uh i want to go to cape town in south africa oh that's amazing amazing and uh, let me see. Okay, what would the older self tell the younger self advice-wise? Hmm. Okay. I think just trust trust your path in life, I think, would be my piece of advice. Like, I think there's, you know, like this summer when I was, like, looking for a job and stuff, like, it was – sometimes there's always these like tough patches where you don't really know what's in front of you. And I think like this summer was definitely the like most predominant showing of that, I, I guess you could say. Um, but I think just like trusting that there's a path there for you and that you'll find it. <laughs> you just got to keep going, I guess. If you were one superhero, who would you be? Hmm. I don't know, Wonder Woman? Oh, yeah, good, good choice, good choice. <laughs> um, if you could meet one person, and they can be anywhere 
It can be in the past or now. Who would it be and what would you say? One person what? So if you can meet one person in the world, either it could be in any time in history or it could Oh, be somebody meet, alive. meet And somebody? yeah, who would it be and what would you say to them? Huh. Well, okay, there's this one, like, influencer on Instagram that I really like. Her, like, her username is Chelsea Kawhi. And, I mean, I would just love to meet her. I think she's really inspirational in terms of what she does. She's a... She's a photographer, videographer, and she also is really like passionate about the environment. And, and yeah, and so I, you know, I would love to meet her because uh, she's been to amazing places. And I think she also has really great ideas about the world and about life. And, and, and this is, you know, I, I, I always tell people this. I know everybody wants to live forever, but we're not going to. So I'm just going to ask you this. When you're no longer, you know, when you're long, no longer on this earth, when you're gone, when people mention your name, what do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered as somebody who is able to make an impact on other people's lives. I think that's probably the only th real thing that you can do to like really leave a legacy. Um, we used to talk a lot about legacy, like in, in rowing on our team, like what we wanted our legacy to be on the team. But I think in general in life, like I think if you're able to influence others, like help others, that goes a long way. Well, Olivia, I want to tell you, thank you for so much for being on. I, like I told you, I, you're such an inspiration. And I, I really love the fact that, you know, you're so, for all the negative things we hear about certain places, you know, then you have such a wonderful person like yourself come out of it. And it just goes to show that no matter what situations that you're in, hard work, passion for what you do, and your commitment for, to the community really, really stands out. So Just really, honestly, thank you for being here today. I'm very, very appreciative. Yeah, thank you so much. And and you know what? And I all I can tell you is, uh, <laughs> you know, keep eating good food and traveling. All right. yes, I will. I hope to. And yeah. So anyway, so Joy, if you like the podcast, join us next time for our next amazing guest, Olivia. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll have to catch you in like. Like five or six years from you get get you back on the podcast and we have to you gotta to catch us up with your life. <laughs> All right. Till next time, everybody keep learning.